Okay, hello folks. I'm here today with Matt from Bonjoro. He's the CEO and founder, and a mutual friend of ours said to me, this guy knows his stuff and he has grit. He does the hard yards and not just the talk, so it should be pretty high value. What do you think about that description, Matt? Um, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too modest. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get far in this industry with that. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about uh, what Bonjoro is, and then we'll sort of move on, move on from there. We'll get a bit of a sense of your journey and so on. Yeah, sure. So we're a personalized one-to-one -one video messaging tool. And if you think about it, so we sit as a layer on top of a CRM or customer data source. So what I mean here is that we plug into Intercom, ActiveCampaign, Patreon, Shopify, Salesforce, you name it. And at certain points on the customer journey, so generally lead conversion, activating customers of your SaaS platform, and then driving reviews referrals. At these trigger points, customers are sent into the Bonjour platform. We notify one of your teams and say, look, this is a great time to send Jenny from, from outreach.io a quick personalized video message, introduce yourself, um, and we show a lot of information from the CRM and tell you what to um, include in that video to make sure that she takes the next step on the, on the customer funnel. You found that basically sending one-to-one -one video messages, you're going to get around about three times the engagement rates. Open rates are around about 70%. Wow. Um, wow. It's not so much video as stopping for 30 seconds and acknowledging a customer. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So why don't you drill in that a little bit more? Are you saying from a personalized perspective, a one-to-one -one type thing, you get deeper resonance? Yeah, so like, I think it's this balance of, you see, like there's a bit of a, of a thing going on now, but the idea is, is how do you scale the whole personalization side? And you see across the industry, I think people are coming back to the personal side of, of things where, you know, we've been put into funnels, we've been put onto drip campaigns for the last kind of five years. And when a human steps in again, we're like, oh, like people exist, this is great. Someone, someone acknowledge me. And you think about the kind of companies you work with and we, as a SaaS company we have i don't know 80 90 probably um uh um paid for like SaaS projects uh, and um tools that we use out of all those i have a relationship with maybe about about five of them mm. and given the fact that the market's getting so competitive and there's always options for these days those five are the ones that i'm i'm you know most sticky to second to product like product obviously is important but if someone comes along with the, with the same product or a better product to those five guys i'm probably not going to move so it's the idea of of how do you build these micro relationships at scale so customers feel valued beyond just paying for the product and off we go mm. now i looked at your product i think maybe i don't know eight nine months ago and i thought it was mobile only and when i went back to research for this this call uh, the desktop and the integrations with these other products was much stronger in my mindset. Is that, did you just not push forward much in those days or uh, literally did you just come from that kind of ad hoc type uh, customer service or customer outreach type, the you know, mobile recorded video? What's, what's happened there? What's evolved? Yes, yeah, so, so about 25% of our signups to 30% come through mobile. Um, kind of timely because we're maybe thinking about stopping that. Um, the way it is, we have desktop and we have mobile recording or just you know, to onboarding, 
new users tend to come in, they're much more successful on desktop. They tend to do the first videos on desktop and then we push them into mobile because the idea of being able to work on the move. So we find like 30% of our videos are sent when people are on commutes to work. Yep. We're working <laughs> on the way to work, yeah, which, which actually makes it much more interesting content. It strips back, it's more transparent, it works better. That said, where we tend to get mobile signups is I think where we mentioned in kind of hearsay or at events, people say, oh, the Bonjour app. And so because we have an app, it's called yes. Bonjour app and people yep. hop on board. Now we're at this balance whereby we, we actually convert substantially better online because there's a few things around using the product, which leads to product qualified leads. And one of those, as you mentioned, is having an integration and trying to connect up your CRM on a mobile experience is extremely hard to do. Mm -hmm. So although we'll get people using mobile and we get high activation on day one, when it comes to sticky users, some things are fundamentally a lot easier on, on desktop. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think from my own experience, like we were using Loom and, and you, maybe you can yeah. speak to you know, they, they feel much more ad hoc. You can use them in a customer support perspective or you can use them kind of just, you know, for recording something to a friend or whatever. It doesn't, yeah. They're pretty agnostic about it. Uh, so that was a, I was surprised when I, when I onboarded myself just the, the deepness of the integration. And we'll, go, we'll go through the onboarding flow later on if you don't mind and just yeah. have, a, have, a, have a chat about that because it was kind of intriguing to me that you've taken this process like you've literally embedded it in the business process rather than Loom who keeps it fairly ad hoc. Yeah, so look, we found that, again, it's, it's back to that point I mentioned earlier where I don't think it's about video and our, and our goal and our ethos is not, is not really to be a video platform. Mm. Um, I think what interests us is, you know, where, <laughs> when do you get ROI for your time on a, on a, on a customer, really? So we have a saying where, where we say automate processes, not relationships. And I think the idea is, here is that We've obviously proven that by injecting a bit of personal time into customer journeys, we can get you a much better conversion rate. Now, the science around it is when does it make sense to do that? You know, if customer's only worth you know, $2, it's probably not, not worth doing it. However, if the customer comes in your funnel who is actually worth, you know, $1,000 lifetime value, then it is worth doing it. And in which case, which team member should do it at what point? Um, how does it work around retention? Like when should you check in with clients after, you know, eight months, 16 months, you know, when are clients are, you know, a risk of churning. So it's more about how do you show that you care and that you're there to help and to get in touch when they're not going to be proactive and reach out to you and they might churn. Mm -hmm. That's more the reason we're doing it. Video happens to be the best medium for being transparent. Like you can't really fake this. Yep. <laughs> At, at the moment, <laughs> so, so people know I'm a deep fake right now. <laughs> <laughs> so people know, people know it's you, and they're like, and, and that's the impact we're trying to make. And yeah, it's all about reciprocation. So, video is a great way of doing it. There are other ways to do personalization too, but it's almost, it's almost how do you prove, how do you prove it's personal in a world where there's a lot of, a lot of bad actors, I think, playing around. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna park it there because there, there's. This automate automate processes, not rela not relationships or not customers, is a really good point. And that was like the very first screen in the onboarding. I thought was pretty pretty makes a pretty clear uh, message about that. So I guess what you're trying to do is also um, the it's it looks like you're trying to automate. Oh, sorry, it's it's like you're trying to target enterprise sorry business customers and possibly even enterprise customers because they're a higher LTV type customer for you and easy, you can support a $1,000 LTV customer just as well as you can a $0 customer. And so you've kind of 
kind of like major focus in that space. So you're, ne you're never going to go for a, a sort of a massive land grab in a sense. So we don't we don't do enterprise, actually. Okay. Right. Uh, I think there's a cultural shift to happen there. I think trusting your thousand employees to get on video and and hop on board the clients. There's a lot of enterprises who aren't willing to make that jump just yet. Yep. It's starting to happen. We tend to focus so SaaS and then I guess SMEs and SMEs in the sense of up to 200 car person mm -hmm. teams. Um, that's when you work. We're mostly used by customer success teams. So post sign up in that lead conversion and activation funnel. Yep. Yep. Um, and then, and then post, post, I guess, payment, like customer care. So really teams like who will have a customer success team and, and those now popping up in, in e-commerce and they're popping up in, in non-SAS SMEs as well. Mm. Um, that's actually where we are. It, it really, you know, at the end of the day, sending a message to a client, if it's going to convert more and it takes th 30 seconds and you have, you know, juniors on your onboarding team and that client is worth $50, maybe that 30 seconds is worth, you know, the added LTV is to work it out for the company, but we do have customers using it on pretty substantial funnels, but they, they'll either filter and then they'll, and then they'll spread the load across a, a group of team members. Okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah. All right. That's cool. So let's go, let's go back now to your journey. Um, I noticed when I, when I downloaded the application, there was a, uh, a company name called the bait. Maybe you can just kind of give a sketch of, What's the bait? Where did where did you uh, come from, etc. Yeah. etc. Yeah. So the prior company to this, which still runs today, uh, we were playing around in video anyway. So we were trying to do video as a qualitative research tool. So the idea is send out video invites to mums in India, Pakistan, China, New York, Jersey, and get them to do a video diary for five days about how they use Huggies. Yeah. Right, gotcha. Yeah, all that video comes in. We pull all the information out of it. It's used as a qualitative research tool for the product teams at Procter and Gamble to, to build and design new products. Now we still run that. It sells. It sells to enterprise and sells to big big agencies. Right. So it's it's a sales <laughs> different, process. Different customer set. <laughs> uh, like complete completely different. Yeah. It's, we built a we built a SaaS product and then they just wanted us to run everything. So it's almost like product plus services, different model. Um, we were three at the time doing it. We got quite a bit of success in London, Paris, and New York. So agency HQs and, and I guess FMCG HQs. Mm -hmm. Every lead coming in, we were pretty much asleep. So getting on the phone and calling them <laughs> yep. <laughs> kind of got hard. <laughs> and we would fly over there and go and do pitches. This is how you'd have to go in. It was very much FaceTime kind of selling. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So I take a, I, I lived in Manly, so I take a, I take a ferry into the city. So I was like, you know what, like. Maybe not his face, but the, but this this attitude like works to get me into meetings. So I started recording a video for every single lead we had that signed up. So John from Ogilvy would sign up. I'd be going past the Opera House. I'd be like, "Hey John, Matt here from Verbay. We're based in Sydney. There's the Opera House. By the way, we've worked with Budweiser and you know Rexon and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah? um, I'll be in London in, in six weeks' time. Would love to come in and pitch you guys. I'm quite excitable. So generally the response. <laughs> <laughs> there was, this is your toned down work version, isn't it? <laughs> this is me after having been up since 4.30. <laughs> the, the, the response would generally be, I can't understand what you're saying. However, this is hilarious. You should come in and see us. You know, and I heard Budweiser. So, you know, yeah. people enjoyed the experience. We got a lot more meetings. We booked a lot more um, demos off it and we booked a lot more revenue off the back of it. Mm -hmm. Now, 
look, we always wanted to be a SaaS company, so we had this, this bias in our head. But essentially, one of those clients picked up the product, asked if they could use it. They started sending it. One of their clients asked if they could use it, started sending it, et cetera, et cetera. I think that overtook the original company in about 14 months in terms of um, scale. Uh, and the growth is a lot faster. So although we still run the original company, we're going to let it do its own thing and split it out and let it run its side as like a, as like a tech, like a, a tech-based agency pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now have these two companies, but it was all, it was kind of born from trying to solve our own problem and turns out it's, it's a common problem. So this is interesting because quite often people who kind of, and I'm not saying you were an agency, but quite often people who are agencies or digital shops and they come up with a product, they're, all, they're addicted to, they're addicted to contracting revenue or customer revenue. <laughs> and then, you know, as a SaaS business, you've got this, you know, trough of despair where it looks good, but you're in this hole for a while, you know, so were you not addicted to the revenue and did you realize that it was going to take a quite a time to build up the, the SaaS revenue with Bonjoro or did Bonjoro grow enough for you to actually say, look, this is good. As you said, you know, this has got scale. Question is, is, did it have revenue that went with the scale that made you sort of wean yourself off uh, off that big company revenue? Look, so we use the big company revenue to help fund the start of this, yeah. So we yep. we have this like backup, yeah. I'll be honest, I don't think we were all that excited about research, right? Yep. And look, I'm I'm a design background, so I'm not I'm not tech. I'm actually used to work as an artist even like when I was younger. So for me, it's all about the creativity and the kind of challenge of making something new and, and solving problems. That's what I love. And I find building products as a product designer, like, like I love it. Like I love every minute of it. So, so really the excitement was there, the growth percentages were there. So you can look at that. And because we say so like, okay, well, I'm like, like, we're not new to this. We'd failed one startup, failed one funder startup, done for bait, which did like, okay but it wasn't quite what we wanted we just we were just trying to survive and this one started to go and we're like look having had some experience we can look at this and, and we can you know it's a risk but look at these numbers these look pretty this looks like it's going somewhere mm. yeah and everyone says never start to two companies at the end of the day an opportunity an opportunity <laughs> just don't sleep just don't sleep for a while uh, we end up building a very different team on that company like the, the whole of that team is remote pretty much around mm. the world. None of my customers are in Australia still, <laughs> like percentage wise. So we still have that challenge. Yes. Um, yeah. But look, it's, it's um, I, I, like we build businesses for, for the love of it. You know, it's, it's the challenge. Mm. You know, I, if, if you see the, the, the leading indicators, then at some point you just got to jump. Yeah. And again, if you look at us, it's not even to MailChimp. MailChimp were an agency originally uh, who spun out MailChimp and they were able to fund MailChimp until they went and built the the behemoth it is today with, with zero funding. Yes. Yeah. So it's not it's not like it's an unusual story. It has happened. I think Convert did the same. You know. So well, that's that's a good yeah. It's good to actually show that there's there are counters where people have made it made it work. So just where where are you at in terms of your your journey now? You know, are you break even? Uh, are you still using the other business to fund it? Uh, have you taken any investment, external investment, etc.? Yeah, so we did take some investment. So we took about a million bucks mm-hmm. um, here in Australia. Um, break even. That 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 uh, that north star that whenever we get close to, we start hiring again. Yeah, change, changes every week. <laughs> um, Why so, not? Double, double down, double down on the success. 
You know, I was reading um, Jason Lemkin the other day, and he's saying you should have fifty percent of your of your revenue in the bank as a war chest, ready, ready to make big moves. And I'm like, but but every time we get some more money in the bank, I'm going to go and hire again. So it's <laughs> never any goal at the moment for us. Um, so that, yeah, like like we're we're always on the edge break even, but then we, we just push forward a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, we are starting to use the other company revenue less because we actually want to grow that out. Uh, we kind of we kind of we kind of made a mental note to kind of ditch that company because we decided focus was was crucial here. Yep. Uh, in the company we ditched it, it doubled its revenue. <laughs> so 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 in that so we now got back to it and gone, okay, look, it just needs a different team. It needs someone else to run it who is not us. Um, Wilson on the board, but we're basically gonna start to build a different team on that and let it do its own thing and split it out. Very right. different model, different culture too, yep. uh, which I think is important not not to cross those over. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we are. Um, other other numbers you want? Yes. Uh, well, actually, just firstly, since you mentioned Lemkin, are you going to Sastra twenty twenty? One of my teams heading over there. Right. Okay. Um, he uh, he got himself in for free, invited by uh, by Lemkin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we, we can't we can't like we're all hustlers, so it's pretty good. But it sounds like you're at the stage where you could actually have a stand at somewhere like Sastra, and you are embedded into you are embedded into these other platforms. So it's kind of like I would fully expect to see a company like you at at, at that place. Yeah. So, hang on, I've just. Oh, you still with me? Yeah, I did. I did see. I'll I'll cut out anything that's got some um, some freezing. It's unstable at this end, I think. Okay. Cool. Um, if it happens, if it happens on your end, just tell me. I'll pause. Yeah. Sure. No um. So we've done some paid events and we've done them with a couple of our integration partners. So Entreport is one of the big ones. We have uh, kind of West Coast states. We've made a decision to not do paid sponsorships. I'll be honest, I don't. So here's the thing, yeah, we have quite a few influencers on the platform. And we have one guy in the state called, called Pat Flynn, who's is very well known, like um, SME influencer. The guy gets on stage at traffic and conversions and these other big events and talks about us. Mm, right. Nothing I could do at that event would get, would get me more science than he yeah. could do on center stage. No amount of beer with labels on it that said bonjouro, like the Albert Lassian trick. <laughs> None of that yeah. would work in comparison to Mr. Flynn. <laughs> hey, look, look, look I, and I'm from a product design world, so I used, to, I used to do events all the time. Like I grew up doing events and doing trade shows. Like I love them. They are so much fun. But in terms of an ROI for us on spend, if we can find like uh, us putting that money is trying to find those influencers and engaging with them properly and turn them into full advocates so that they go and talk about us, pays back far, far better for us on our time. Right. Um, we do look, look, look we, we do get on stage, but we tend to get invited quite a bit to go and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, more around kind of relationships and personalization and kind of culture stuff. Um, that, that's, that's great because it's free. Um, but again, we kind of step back from the paid stuff and just realize it didn't have the ROI, I think, at this time. Maybe when we run out of other things, but our other channels are pretty, they convert pretty well and they're pretty yeah, cost effective. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. And uh, where are you at in terms of monthly active users? So about 5,000 monthly active users. Yep. So um, we're at about 35,000 users overall. Yep. So downloads kind of start. Um, yeah, all B2B is really where we get our, where we get our users from. Yep. So we're, we're all businesses. Yeah, as you said, customer success is really the sweet spot for, for yeah. you in that situation. So, yeah. 
yeah, and so that's that's pretty pretty decent, and I really love how there's like a kind of like there's a, it's a low friction product really, so that, that it means that there's no inherent sort of like things that are going to hold you back as as the word of mouth gets out. And of the of that number, what's is the percent? You said I think before the percentage was twenty percent sign up on mobile. Is that you find that people are kind of using the platforms evenly later on in in terms of those monthly active users? Yeah, so to give you say. We convert four times better on tap on web than we do on mobile. Right. So this is a point, yeah. and we're like, so we're at the stage where we're like, right, do we, do we just drop sample on mobile and have it and direct to mobile web, control one single user experience, and then have the, the mobile app as a companion app? So like Confluence or, or, um, or Intercom. Yes. Like, yeah. um, in which case, look, you'll lose some signups, like absolutely. Um, at the same point, if we can even double the conversion on those apps and, you know, you know, and, and drop like 30% of the signups, like, like it's a win-win. So it seems like yeah. quite an easy lever. Um, I feel I've lost myself. <laughs> so, uh, well, I was talking about ongoing usage. I mean, before you said, okay, yeah. well, it's, it's yeah. good in terms of being able to do it on the run. So that would imply yeah. to me that maybe mobile gets a pretty solid usage. Yeah, so, I, so I'd, I'd say 50% of our users are mo like pretty much only use mobile once setup is done. There's probably another 20, 30% who can't kind of use, who use both. And then we still have 20% who tends down desktop. Um, look, we do have, like we have unusual users who, who are probably not, not, not quite our core. Um, the mobile experience is better because then we get, so we get more, more, more daily active usage because on mobile people will be doing this in, in those kind of micro breaks, getting a coffee, that kind of thing. Mm. Whereas if you have to sit down in front of a desktop and you're in an office space, you're not as willing to jump on video and, you know, make a bit of a fool of yourself. Yeah. Um, there's something around the psychology of, you know, the phone now, like it's, it's your best friend, it's your reading companion, you know, um, it's your dating app. Like, like, like it's the thing that, you're, that was with you more than anything else, like probably in the world. Um, whereas desktops, although again, we're, we're changing a little bit with remote working, this is still a workstation. And so there's yeah. actually like, like a mindset that changes when you're using one device versus the other. Hmm. Well, I think another reason why I didn't choose to use you guys before, and it's interesting because I'm in your target market, which is, which is SaaS, and, and that was, I didn't think you did screen recording, which I would have thought would be a really, you know, important part of that, and which is why we would use Loom ourselves. Are you doing it or are you planning to do it? What's the story? Give me one week. <laughs> <laughs> pause. Press the pause <laughs> and now announcing. <laughs> yeah. And the way that we're doing it, yeah. Like, so we'll, like, you can still use us, like, off the cuff as you go. Like, that's fine. But it obviously, the reason we're doing recording as well is to actually build it back of the funnel so uh, there's a really good, good use case which is around uh ac activation so so you have paid users coming in but they actually haven't completed the you know the steps you know that lead to a successful customer so those are always in in risk of churning in 30 days three months so one, one way to get around this is people don't want to get on the call you send them a message and you say how about i hop into your account i'll do a screen recording and and show you exactly what you need to do in your account Mm. It's, it takes a little bit more effort. It's, you know, it's probably take you a couple of minutes, yeah. but, it's, but it's for a paid user anyway. So you have basically a notification saying, go to this thing, you do it, and then it's often delivered and taken care of. But that's extremely effective, yeah. we found in terms of activation. So, so again, the stream recorder allows us to still build it into these funnel system. But at the same point, you, you can do a recording and use it for support. Mm. No problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think for us, because we're quite a technical product, we've got SDKs that plug into mobile and and web that quite often what we want to do is actually just 
basically show them what they're yeah. missing. What they're missing. It's our job to, you know, we're an onboarding company, so yeah, yeah. it's our job to kind of like figure out that we should be kind of like making that easier for people. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems as though video is just kind of like an an, evol an evolutionary uh, step in improving improving that customer support type function. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. That's going to happen. Let me sh let me share your onboarding process because um, well, it was interesting that you said you were a designer. So um, you know the thing that really strikes me. So the, this is just some screenshots. Uh, I did. I'll move. I'll move us down the bottom there. Oh, no, I don't want to move you down the bottom because there's that nice little get out of jail option there. Yeah. So. The thing, the thing about this is, like you mentioned, Mailchimp. It's beautiful and playful, like Mailchimp. I've seen you dress up in bear outfits and <laughs> stuff like that. So you, you, you have come from a very design-first type process. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, like, like I, I'm actually product design, which is a whole. It's more than graphic design. So actually, kind of, it's 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 like UX in the real world. It's kind of the ultimate goal. So yes, look good engineering work and then kind of able to use. Um, I mean, look, I, I'm not the guy who now, who now does the end, the end design work. Like we have, we have an awesome UX person, uh, but I work pretty heavily with them and then engineering. Um, but yeah, look, design, design first. I'm hugely biased, but I, like, I think it's the way to go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. Makes a lot of sense to me after being in this space for a while, you know, my two previous startups were in security and the design requirements are completely different when you're selling it, Product manager. Like anyone, I think anyone enjoys, like enjoy the experience. Yeah, like again, like you know, journey yeah. versus the end. Yes. If you enjoy the journey, again, you know, given numbers, a high percentage of people will stick with it and see it through. Mm. And they're light little things. If they hit bugs and they hit issues and they hit UX flaws, which you're gonna have, they're more likely to keep going. So the way I see it is, it just it just makes yeah, like it removes those barriers. And that onboarding is. Is, is pretty heavy in terms of like setup, I'd say. So, it, yeah. you know, it, hopefully people enjoy it more. Yeah, so let's, let's have a look at that. So what I've, got, what I've got on the screen here is the first step after putting in username and password. So uh, I should have taken a screenshot of that, but it was super easy. You didn't ask me any questions. Uh, you know, the, the thing I, I did a fireside with, with deputy last week and they talked a lot about talked a lot about product-led growth and talked a lot about, you know, the drop-off rates with, you know, with, with adding additional fields. So you were pretty, pretty clean about that. Um, have, you, have you had debates about that? Whether you, uh, I think you asked the question either here, um, you know, you just sort of pushed it, pushed it after the registration page. Did you ever have questions up front that were causing drop-offs? Not up front. Um, and interestingly, we actually found like, so the only thing we've really implemented is like is like GDPR terms of service, which have actually made zero impact. So everyone's completely cool with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, look, like our for, our forms start here though. I'm still class this as like early onboarding. Some of this, so most of this is for the user. Like this screen is interesting. So we ask people to basically create a campaign for why for why they're doing these messages, and, and we're trying to. There's a few things going on here. One is we're trying to get people to start to think in in our way. So well, you're, you're not. My, my first impression was these guys are serious about business. It wasn't kind of like for the casual, the casual sign up, you know, oh, I'm going to do a video, you know, I'm going to do a video for somebody. It was like, 
first, you know, your first campaign, it's like, oh wow, this is this is really tied into a pro tied into a process. And but I didn't actually understand at this stage why it was so sort of people were tied in. So anyway, that was yes, it. yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, so they start thinking, okay, campaigns. This is not just a one-off thing. The other thing is, this is great data for us. So, you know, we we have like a we've always struggled with having such a broad range of users that sign up. Yeah. And the only way we can bucket them is by jobs to be done. So, so campaigns are an awesome way to be done. Just, so people just tell us what job they're doing. Are they, are they onboarding someone? Are they doing retention? Are they trying to get more demos? Like they name the thing and we look at that and we explore it every week and we're like, this is what, this is our, this is our kind of primary use cases here. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like I did a teardown of um, Monday, the productivity tool too, and they yeah. actually give you those use cases right up front. So. You know, you've got this menu to pick from and it, let, it lets you actually get to that aha experience around my specific needs. For sure. Feels similar in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still a bit confused. If I was a customer service person, would I even know what a, what a, um, a campaign is? Yeah, so all this onboarding went out about, so the onboarding you're seeing here is about two months old. No, I did it so, this morning. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I mean, it's, it went out two months ago, so it's it's, it's pretty fresh. Right. Uh, we tend to we tend to go back to our onboarding probably every quarter. We kind of look at it again, so we tend to put it up, leave it a little, a little while to get some like really good data. Yeah, um, gotcha. this is the work in progress. It's always a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 don't, don't take my data point of one. <laughs> good, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's go to the next one. Well, first, let me press the button so I can get there. All right, so add people, typical sort of viral type thing. So I'm working in a I'm working in a company. It makes sense for me to invite John. So that's pretty cool, and I love the design on the right hand side. So as you said, it's it's about enjoying the journey, right? Yeah. Anything else you want to say about that? This this was new with the latest onboarding. Um, this is kind of a fail safe for us. So it'll be more explained on the next screen, but this, this is kind of like, so we make sure that everyone always has somebody else to send messages to. Ah, yes, right. Points yeah. to maybe understand is that, is that, so we looked into what our product, product qualified lead is. So, so what, are the in, what are the leading indicators that someone's going to become a customer? And there's, there's, there's two things, basically. One is this, the uh, software integration, which, which I'll mention in a minute. Um, the second one is what actually gets them to be customer is they get a response to a video where someone goes, this is amazing. Like, thank you so much. And that person goes and puts a credit card in and then, and then they're on the train. Now to get to that, if you work backwards, people need to send somewhere between five to about 12 videos. So one of the things we do is we, and integrations help drive this, but we also try to add in team members because we found that pretty much anyone who comes back and says, this is great this was unexpected is a huge plus in terms of getting that user to ultimately convert over. Right. right. Got it. Got it. Yeah. There's a real, there's a real kind of like safety use. I think you said fallback or fail safe, but it was a real safety net for me to be able to try it out with a colleague as well too. So yeah. Yeah. Because videos, you know, not, not everyone's done videos before. So people are nervous when they first start. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, you're kind of educating the market at the same time as getting getting them to use your product. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, yeah, what do you sure. think about ugly old blokes like me? Do do you find that there's actually it skews demographically to younger people? Or no. nope. So 
So our biggest user base is 32 to 48. I hope, I hope you're in that back. <laughs> Jerry, that's that's kind of where where we sit. Uh, we drop off over sixty, and we drop off below twenty-five. So I think probably there's a couple of things. That, there's a couple of reasons that this is. It's not the age as such. It's the fact that at that age, you you are in a more senior position. Probably mm. you're in CS or you're in support. And you know what you're doing, or you're in sales. Um, secondly, you're a lot more confident by that point. So I think confidence comes with age and people don't care as much about getting on video if it gets the job done. Do you think that the, bottom end, the bottom end of the range, so below 25, is just to do that they're, they're not in the job yet? Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's... Uh, Hypothesis. <laughs> I think that's part of it. I think a lot of the video messaging being done by youth is between close friends... I, but then maybe this again, maybe this is just because of the age thing, yeah. So mm. like, like it's hard, it's a little bit hard to know uh, whether that's whether we were all the same at that age. Yeah. I think John, I, I do think confidence comes into it. I think yeah, at the end like at the end of the day, when you've been doing sales and you've been doing meetings and you've met loads of customers before, this is a less of a jump than than in your first job when you're like, Oh, I've got to talk to people I've never met who are customers, you know. Yeah, got it. Makes sense. And I don't think we're going to see TikTok for enterprise. Could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this was interesting too. Like, boom, straight into integrations, which was really, really interesting. Um, so you've got a bunch of integrations. You've got a bunch of integrations via Zapier, but certainly things like MailChimp and stuff like that. At this particular stage, I'm still a little bit confused that if I was a CS person, why I'd need to connect my uh, MailChimp. So I was, yep. a bit, I was a bit confused about that. Um, I could certainly, you know, probably make sense out of the intercom, the intercom connection uh, in that situation. Um, I put in a request for autopilot because that's us. <laughs> it was interesting too. I sort of thought, oh, should I put in one for pipe drive? You know, so I didn't know whether, you know, what was the best platform? Am I trying to sort of integrate here? You know, is it, is it, um, you know, the support system, is it the, is it the marketing system, is it the CRM, you know, so I wasn't quite sure where, where we were going on that. Yeah, like, like, one of the things we do do here is we do, we do bias towards our, our, our better users. So, like, we talk about campaigns, like, like Intercom uses campaigns, active, cam active campaign, the platform uses the words campaigns within mm -hmm. CS. So, yeah. interestingly, like, within CS teams, they use that. And then when you come in here, we again bias towards those. Met, met, so, MailChimp's interesting, yeah? It's a... Uh, we get a lot of MailChimp signups. They're not the best customer because they tend to be more marketing side um, and small and small kind of small small business. Mm. Um, however, however, like the numbers are pretty significant. So we can't. We're taking a bit of like an internal um, decision now of you know really who do we double down on because we keep building integrations every day. Like you know we have like pipe drives. I think number two requested. Kajabi is another really high one that I haven't used. Like, you start to get all these coming through. Um, I guess the question now for us as a company is, do we keep going broad and broad and broad? Or do we really start to double down on the ones that we know are yeah. extremely active and best users and provide a lot more value to those users and make them a lot stickier? Mm. Yeah, you've got, a, you've got a menu of options and directions you, that, that you could go. You could go really hard down, say, the Zendesk intercom route, or you could stick in some, yeah. other, some other area. It's tough. It's tough to know which way to go because there's big benefits either side. And you kind of have to make a call. 
and it comes down to a bit of you know the strategy of where you're going as a company yeah um that's a yeah. great position to be in. i'll check in with you in six months and we'll we'll find out what how you've sort of iterated to a particular direction it'd be really yeah. great to, to, to see that journey yeah for sure okay all right so here's uh i was a bit confused about um, just here on the left hand side i'm not waving my mouse there you go i'm waving my mouse why it was saying choose your software but people were being shown to me so i was a bit confused about that but uh, just come on it's good pick up <laughs> I, I have no idea what it's to I didn't even, I, I, I must admit, I should have tried clicking on them to see. I missed a bit about uploading my profile. So I missed one screenshot and I couldn't go back, which is a bit of a shame. So it was up, uploading icons. I didn't know whether it was icon or profile. Oh, I can put you away. Um, it, actually show, it actually shows the video and shows like the message that it sends and how it, how it looks when you send someone a video message. Got it. Got it. Um, which is more around, we found that, again, having some input on the kind of final look and feel, like, like colors and stuff. These ideas of it's a small thing. People love love having ownership over the product, like like Gmail and it's customized background. Like it sounds, it sounds stupid, but people love the stuff. Right, right. You know. well, makes sense to me. I I really loved this over here as well too. That I could actually see how far. <laughs> I did a survey for somebody this morning, and they just provided me no. You know, it said step one, two, three, four, five. I had no clue. There could have been 4,800 steps. I had no clue. So this is this is a lovely onboarding device to let, to manage patients. Do you, have you found that you've got a particular drop-off at a particular stage? Got any data on that at the moment? Uh, to answer, that was a little bit more high level. So we, can't, we can't, tend to see who gets to doing um, the first message. Um, I don't think we've quite split out individual drop-offs on onboarding. Uh, it tends to be complete or not. So we, we still get this. So we get about, so we actually, we actually upped. We have, a, we have more people who don't complete now than before we did this. We also increased our conversion rate by 35% since doing this. Oh, yeah. So we've kind of got like, I think you've hit that area where, 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 where we, our onboarding used to be a lot less than this. People get in there with actually like getting things quicker. Mm. Um, but again, this idea of focusing down the users that we know are the right. Yeah, that, their intent is already high. 50 to 60% of our traffic is through word of mouth or people who've received messages. So I think there's quite a lot of buyer or sign up intent and knowledge already. Oh. So we don't tend to get, we don't get people coming in cold. People don't go searching, how can I send videos to you sign up? Yeah, we tend to come into a lot of referral stuff. So I think it's to that extent, if people have quite a good intent, they will come through this and then way more likely to convert as a customer because they're set up correctly. Um, but at the expenses that we do bounce our people because I think we do have a few, like there's, there's, I would like to do this in less steps. We may try and drop one or two of these or try and combine some. It, it's kind of hard, yeah? Like it's, mm. it's tough. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting to, to make a brutal decision to exclude people or to show or basically show something that actually invites the ones that you're in. I think it's a great it's a great design. If you've got enough if you've got enough volume coming through, is there a is there a sense of what channels are really being the sort of the, like the power channels for you? Well, it's weird. Like I said, we're sixty percent car referral, so um, I, we have we have three channels that we use. So one is look, we have a viable product. So, um, always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So like 40% of our signups come to people who see messages, uh, and they convert like very high. 
Um, second channel is through word. Of, so we have a lot of direct search. Um, and, and we also run like a small affiliate program. So basically influencers. So like, like you mentioned, the guy getting on stage talking about mm. us. Yep. Yep. Podcasts like this, um, people doing their own videos and, and sharing, et cetera. And then the third area is we do content. And we've, we run a, we, we've run a blog for quite a while, but we've started to do longer form content. And so like kind of white papers, but ones that you can take an implant. So we've done this whole piece on, on video finance playbook where we say, Use video at this exact. If you're e-commerce and fashion, do this. You know, if you're if you're this and this, do this. Yeah, um, that has worked extremely well for us. And this, and this, I think, this comes back to a bit of the part around educating the market as well as trying to sell to it. And so, mm-hmm. like, education has really worked well for us, and it has to be how we play out. Like, it's still it's still early days. Um, is that has that really worked because it's sort of a recipe based approach for those different sectors? Like, did you yeah. give them? Some- yeah, recipes. Yeah, recipes. Those, awesome. And and the recipes are reflected in the product as well, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Very cool. All right. And then I'm into it. So then it gives me a task list, which is really interesting. You give me a task, and it says, "Okay, we'll go ahead and record something for John." So that's it. I'm in the product now, and you've given me something that sort of, you know, what what my logical next step is, or what my job to be done is. So. Yeah. Has jobs to be done been a kind of like a recurring thing for you? I mean, it's it's something that we refer to all the time internally. So, you know, is that is that a sort of like a mainstay of how you view things? Yeah, look, I think I think probably one of the hardest things is trying to get the whole team across like the the deep understanding of what jobs to be done is. It's it's obviously way way easier. It's way easier to categorize customers by channel, by industry, by job title. Persona. The, hub, the HubSpot kind of way, you know, you know, this is, this is Mary, she's 28, she's a grad, she's got a mortgage and, you know, she wants to, she wants to basically get somebody over the line because her KPIs are based around, based around signups or conversion to pay. Yeah. Do you still use that or, or you, you focus more on the job rather than the signup? Uh, we, we've had, so, so the, the answer is we have to focus on jobs to be done because the persona doesn't work for us. So I think, again, given the broad range of where we operate, you know, and SaaS, although one of our best, um, I guess, customer bases, is, it, you know, is still 20%, I don't have 100%, so we have kind of like quite a lot of users who are not in that area, so, but interestingly, you see more and more SMEs approaching things from a SaaS mindset. You see more e-commerce approaching things from a SaaS mindset. So the mindset is more important than the company and the industry and potentially their business model. Mm. Um, everyone's got leads coming in. Are, are they approaching it and going, right, how many do we convert? What's lifetime value? What's ARPU? What's that, like, what's our CAC? Like, this attitude is, is what works for us. So what are the jobs that fulfill those points? Um, so does we struggle with, and you know, I, I just don't think these do anymore. <laughs> Right, so you were really uh, pinning it. You are really pinning it to the JWD. What about what about product led? In the last couple of posts, I've, I've sort of talked about product led type stuff. Have you have you kind of like got on glommed onto that particular bandwagon, or you see it as too too high high level or common sense? What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I'd say it's it's probably more common sense. I mean, again, like kind of like design first, product first. It's it's, it's a bit of how we think anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, like, yes, 
However, so the, I think we're building two things here. We're building a product and we're building a brand. And if you were to take the dollar value of those two things, I would say they're probably about equal. Right. Um, and what I mean is, like, so I think, again, given the, given the stage of the company, our brand has a very good position with the place and where we operate. It's very well known. We have like our NPS rating is, I think, 72. Like we're really well respected and kind of like we're building more of a name for ourselves as one of the leaders in, the, in this area of kind of personalization of scale. And that gives you a lot of power to start to educate and to be a front runner and to start to, you know, like it's really, it's really important. And um, so I, I think brand, we, we are quite brand led, you know, and the fact that you're doing a good thing here where you're like, look, spend more time on customers. It, it, it's a good thing. Stop trying to growth hack this kind of stuff works like it's, it's really nice positioning as well people people are kind of bouncing back to this a bit more so i get it's part of timing but i think yeah products product for sure i think brands a lot more important than maybe a lot of starts would think brand is um right this so this yeah. ties into that earlier statement you said you just said something really really interesting which is stop trying to growth hack and it, it goes back to what you said before about automate processes not people so that's that's your basically your vision or your north star is that you you really want to kind of like make customer relationships a deep personal touch, but not at the not at the expense of uh, of you know your, your productivity internally where you're trying to scale as a SaaS business. So a fair statement. Yeah, so I, I I actually lost you quite a bit there. Okay, let me do that again one more time. So <laughs> sorry, you you said something really really. Funny, which was stop growth, stop trying to growth hack, and it goes back to that statement earlier that you had about um, you know automate processes, not people or not customers, and that seemed to be tied into this kind of north star of you know making customer relationships personal, but not getting bogged down in the weeds or or crippling your scale uh, when you do that. Yeah, look, uh, I think a lot of people. This is point people people get crippled by by the growth hack thing where everyone's trying to hack their way and do these things. And a lot of people just obviously honest, don't have the experience to kind of do them or pull them off or what works for one company will not work for you. So I think, and this is the idea of also having like, like, like the recipes, the stuff you can do in business that, that plug and play and they work, you know, and like you look back, it was always like build, build a marketing list, you know, and, and do them and do that. And it wasn't that hard to do. And so if you can find out what these pieces are, people can essentially step in, plug and play, and when you when you rely on, on, on the team and the culture and relationships, nothing can really take that away. Like everyone could could do that. Well, every every culture who has a culture around that, that base can do that. You know, you will still get stars. You know, you, everyone could do Twitter. Not everyone's good on Twitter, and not everyone should be allowed to do Twitter. Yeah, I, I I think we'll see the same thing here. Where even if everyone started using this, you still have people who stand above, and they'll stand above because of the team the relationship, like that they do care. Mm. so how do you give them easy ways to kind of show that you know online let's say this has been lost and it always used to be a way to compete and it's it's got harder to compete you know face to face so how do you bring that back and how do you tell you where to do it and how do you again make it simple i think i think that's kind of the key yeah okay that's great all right i think that's probably a good a good place to stop is there anything else you wanted to to mention about anything coming up or i'm certainly interested in any kind of screen screen share recording <laughs> Yeah, so like screen share is coming. Like it's in testing now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like it's been testing it this morning. Um, 
that's going to go out pretty soon. We tend to push things out as quickly as possible. So we tend to push, the, push things out before they fully finish. So it'll go out. It'll be quite basic. And then we'll just load it up over the next few weeks. Yep. Um, and then going deeper into some integrations and starting to work out this, this, this piece around a little bit more intelligently. Like you see all your science there. Like out of those 15 science, like honestly, who's the one you should be taking the time to connect with who is most likely to, to view that video and is most likely to convert mm. because of it. Yep, yep, gotcha. All right, very good. Anything else you want to mention to people? Check out Bonjour. Like, yeah, Check out Bonjour. If you want like, 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 if you want to try it, like we have a free version too. One thing I will say is if you do sign up, you will get a video message from one of my team. Um, I still do some every morning to make sure I stay connected, but you'll get team around the world. So if you do it, you'll actually get to see it firsthand. And if you reply to that message, you'll be replying to that individual and have a chat to them. Great. Um, what size is the team at the moment? So we're 15 and we're in Sid so Australia, Manila, South Africa, London, Colorado, and Poland. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so you've got, you've got time zones and language covered in that sense. Like, like with, our size, with our size team, I'm, I'm trying to work out if it's a blessing or a curse, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, is, is there anything, any lessons you've had in terms of working remotely uh, or working across time zones to keep yeah. people in sync? Communication is everything, 100%. And by communication, I do not mean paragraphs on Slack. Yep. Um, I think if, this is a hard one. Like the best thing we've learned is, is culturally shift to a stage where you can drop a two-minute Zoom call to somebody to ask one quick question, two minutes, and then you get back to work as if you were in the office rather than going into Slack debates that go on for hours. Obviously harder in different time zones when people are asleep. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I think communication, num the number one thing it, it, it resolves if you can get to a good stage of it is conflict management. Yep. So when you have conflict, which we will definitely have, don't get sucked into a rabbit hole because if people are asleep and you're awake, it, like, it, it could pound. Things will be read you know, for the worst rather than the best way they're written. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah, Slack, uh, sorry, chat and email just tend to sort of amplify the paranoia side of it, even, even if you've got to get the right emoji, otherwise you're in trouble. <laughs> get the right emoji, don't use capitals. Like, <laughs> one thing you do to help this is if you do look to build a remote team, bring them together, like at least once a year. Yeah. And if you, can't, if you can't do it all at once, you know, bring out half a team one time and then take the other half to them maybe another time. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, like your team has to break bread together. And when you can do that, again, when it gets back to communication and conflict and daily work, you'll be better placed. You'll know each other better. You'll respect each other more and you'll be able to solve those problems a bit easier. Yeah, got it. Good stuff. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. All right, DJ. So stay, on, stay on and I'll just stop the recording. And... Where's that little recording?